Welcome back to Inside Four Walls. Today, the trial of Jesse Smollett starts. But that's not what we're talking about. Of all the trials, high-profile trials, that have been snatching the headlines of all these major news outlets and TV networks, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, the Ahmed Arbery trial, all these trials have been stealing the public's eye. Jesse Smollett goes on trial. But there's a high-profile, perhaps cataclysmic trial underway that starts today as well. At the exact same time as the Juicy Smollett story. That is the trial of Jalene Maxwell the former girlfriend and right hand to Jeffrey Epstein's pedophile empire. Jeffrey Epstein, a man who connected with all the movers and shakers of the 21st century and late half of the 20th century. He had connections, close, intimate connections, with people like Bill Gates, Obama, Trump, any actor in Hollywood you could imagine, Steve Jobs. Prince Andrew, world leaders, Michael Jackson. This man, Epstein, canoodled and ran about with everybody, including Bill and Hillary Clinton. Bill Clinton flew on his private jet 36 times. Bill Gates' relationships with Jeffrey Epstein later on led to his divorce from his 20-year wife. Well, Bill Gates' divorce. And... As we all know, the official story behind the Jeffrey Epstein suicide is a... The only conspiracy theory there is that Epstein did kill himself. The truth on everything but paper is Jeffrey Epstein was killed. By who, we don't know. Because James Comey's daughter, who was in charge of the footage, lost all the Epstein footage and is now the prosecutor in the Jolene Maxwell case. That's right, folks. James Comey's daughter is in charge of this whole operation now, and she's the one who lost the tapes. This is a hefty story. This is a larger-than-life actual case-of-the-century story, and we have a lot to get through, and I will do my best to get through it as coherently as possible. Links to everything I go through today will be in the description of this podcast. Without any further ado, let's get into it. Perhaps we should start with just a quick WAPO article here from the Washington Post. Jesse Smollett is back in court for his hate crime case. Here's what you need to know. When Jesse Smollett was accused of filing a false police report about having been the victim of a hate crime, the nation couldn't look away. The incident garnered widespread attention, splashed across tabloids and President Donald Trump's Twitter feed alike. The case eventually led to six charges of felony disorderly conduct against the actor, who pled not guilty. Nearly three years later, Smollett's trial is finally underway. And here's what you need to know. In January 2019, the actor... 2019 was three years ago. The actor, who is black and gay, and who cares? 
Sorry. Well, I guess the hate crime part. It's important to know that he's black. I guess. It's just... Long story short. Long story short. Jesse Smollett was going through the east side of Chicago. And according to him, he was attacked by two big, burly Trump supporters wearing MAGA hats who beat him up saying this is MAGA country in rioting BLM-led Chicago. These two flag-waving Trump supporters with MAGA hats just cornered the gay black actor and beat the fuck out of him saying this is MAGA country, tied a noose around his neck, and then let him walk off, apparently. So he goes shambling into a hotel... Talk about how he was attacked and all this shit. And then two people came out and proved that they were paid by Jesse Smollett to beat him up. And they were like two big ass Nigerian black bodybuilders. So there goes that narrative. And it's been an on and off case from that point on. In January 2019, the actor, who is black and gay, told Chicago police he was attacked late at night in the Streetville neighborhood by two people who poured a chemical substance on him, wrapped a rope around his neck. He said his assailants yelled racist and homophobic slurs against him and made a reference to the then-president's Make America Great Again campaign slogan. Smollett, 39, starred at the time on the popular... Fox drama Empire. The news of his alleged assault made waves as he continued to speak out. Advocacy organizations and celebrities, including his co-star Therese Howard and Tarja P. Henderson Henson, publicly expressed support for Smollett. Lee Daniels, who co-created the series with Danny Strong, posted a video on Instagram using his followers to quote love each other regardless of what sexual orientation we are because it shows we are united on the united front end quote but within days doubts about whether smollett was telling the truth began to circulate on social media they eventually reached reached local media in the first five interviews after the alleged attack smollett told abc robin roberts robin roberts huh he was angered by people not believing him and that he would quote never be the man that the never be the man that this did not happen to. Okay. Hours after the interview aired, Chicago police announced they had identified two persons of interest related to the case. Brothers Mbiola and Abolja Asudorio were brought in for questioning in mid-February and released without charges. The next day, police said information obtained from their interviews with the brothers had, quote, shifted the trajectory of the investigation. Authorities wanted to speak again speak again with Jesse Smollett, whose attorney issued a statement saying he had been, quote, further victimized by claims that he, quote, played a role in his own attack. The tide had already turned. Police named Smollett as a, sus- as a suspect in the criminal investigation, and later that February arrested him on disorderly conduct and charged for falsely filing a false police report. They said in they said at a media briefing, Smollett was quote, uh, uh, dissatisfied with his salary. I was trying to make sure I didn't miss anything. 
In a briefing, the police said Smollett was, quote, dissatisfied with his salary for working on Empire, and that they had in possession, and that they had in their possession $3,500 check that Smollett had allegedly paid to Oswarios with, to stage the attack. According to Cook County, Illinois, prosecutors, the Azordios brothers had both previously worked on Empire. Ambolia Azordio is said to have been a close friend of Smollett's, who had been a stand-in for a love interest of Smollett's character, Jamal Lyon. That's funny. It's ironic. His last name was Lyon. I mean, Lyon. Because he was a flyin'. Prosecutors allege Smollett told the brothers what to say during the attack and gave him and gave them a hundred dollar bill to cover the cost of the rope, ski mask, gloves, and red baseball caps resembling MAGA hats. I wanna know. What, so there so he paid these black guys, these big ass black Nigerian bodybuilders who if you look at interviews with them, they talk like this. Imagine you're just walking down the street. And Jesse Smalls is on the street going, Oh, these white guys are attacking me! All you hear is, Make America great again! Make America great! We must make America great again! Pop, pop, fuck you! Ah, pop, 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 MAGA! Pop, 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 four more years! Pop, 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 let's go, Blandon! You would assume he was probably getting beat up by some really jacked fucking 7-Eleven cashiers or some shit. I would not immediately assume a white guy... Or white supremacists were jumping a gay actor. I'd be like, are those 7-Eleven clerks beating the shit out of him? What the fuck? Make a medic great again. Smollett maintained his innocence, though he reportedly apologized to Empire cast and crew for any embarrassment the case might have caused. He was written off the show, which ended last year. In March 2019, a grand jury indicted Smollett on 16 felony counts. He pled not guilty just 18 days later, and a stunning reversal. Prosecutors dropped the charges, citing Smollett's volunteer work and a lack of criminal background. The decision drew scrutiny and firm rebukes from multiple city officials, including Mayor uh, Ramamule. Oh, wow. Ramamule had issues with that? I am surprised. That dude is as race baiter as they fucking come. He'd be all over this shit. The city of Chicago sued Smollett for more than 130000 to cover the cost of the investigation. His attorneys eventually filed a counterclaim alleging malicious prosecution. Meanwhile, Cook County State Attorney Kim Fox and her office were accused of mishandling Smollett's case that June. A judge appointed a special prosecutor, Dan K. Webb, to take over and determine whether to take action against Smollett. Webb decided... To prosecute after, quote, the grand jury's investigation revealed that Jesse Smollett planned and participated in the staged hate crime attack and therefore made numerous false statements to Chicago Police Department officials on multiple occasions reporting a heinous hate crime that he, in fact, knew had not occurred, per a statement. In February 2020, Smollett pled not guilty in six counts of disorderly conduct the last month. A judge dismissed a bid from Smollett's attorneys to dismiss the case. Wow. And the trial began Monday. Smollett has not acted since Empire, has reportedly been promoting his directorial feature debut, quote, B-Boy Blues, an adaption of James Earl Hardy's 1994 book of the same name. 
Huh. So that's the whole thing for the Jesse Smollett trial. This article is from Washington Post, and it's by Sana Rowe. Again, it will be in the description of this podcast, and we can fucking move on. Ah, that was a speed read. Okay. So now we move on to the actual real story that no mainstream media or algorithm is going to promote for you to see. We go to the Rolling Stones by Vicky Ward. Everybody absolutely horrified, end quote. High society braces itself for Ghislaine Maxwell's trial. What will be revealed? Who might she name? Jeffrey Epstein's right-hand woman is going on trial for their alleged crimes, and those who used to know her can't stop talking about it. Again, this article is by Vicky Ward. When she walked into the court on Monday morning, the preeminent pre-trial conference before she faced what will amount to the fight of her life. Galene Maxwell, or Gislaine Maxwell, if you have a sense of humor, looked like she did 10 years ago. In fact, she looked better. Everyone is surprised this bitch isn't dead. Also, again, the Jesse Smollett trial is going to be all streamed and covered in the media. This trial will not be live-streamed. This trial will have no cameras or audio devices in the room whatsoever. It will just be hearsay on what comes out. But Jeffrey Epstein's fucking ex-girlfriend, who all the way up until his arrest continued to handle the paperwork and finances on his island, lived. We all thought she was going to be killed in prison. In fact, a lot of us... Because we went from hearing from her at least once a week to not hearing from her at all for almost a year. So we all assumed that she was dead. And all of a sudden she popped up and started making quotes again, but this time it wasn't... It, we never saw her face again. We never saw her face again in the media because a lot of her testaments were given in front of cameras after she got arrested and brought in. And all of a sudden, the only thing we got after like almost a year of silence was just quotes from people who said that they talked to her. So we all assume that she was dead. But apparently she's in the courtroom. This is happening. This is real shit. The media is doing everything they can to not cover this on prime time. And they're keeping it as hidden as possible. So let's fucking go! Thick black glossy hair. A black turtleneck sweater. Gray slacks. And basically dressed like a Kardashian. A bottle of Poland Springs in her hand. No cuffs anywhere. A smile. Even as she talked and shared a laugh with her lawyers, who were clearly fond of her, one brushed back her hair, so she's sucking the dick of one of her lawyers. Got it. Another rubbed her back and shoulder, a gesture of sympathy. She's slapping some knobs like corn on the cob. It was a moment that caught me off guard and took me back in time. It reminded me of previously... Of precisely why Maxwell had once had so many friends. Her vast number of acquaintances may not have all been people she was close with because of her lifestyle. She was always traveling somewhere or another. Nonetheless, she drew people to her because she was funny. She was witty. She was extraordinarily charming. She was a fucking pedophile! And charming. 
as I was reminded in that courtroom, also supremely confident. Pedophile! Jalene Maxwell, as just about everyone knows, currently stands charged with helping the late sexual predator Jeffrey Epstein, who, much like Christmas ornaments, didn't hang himself, and sexually abused four women, three of whom, three of whom were underage, as well as lying in a civil suit. One of the most chilling sentences in the indictment reads, quote, Maxwell's presence during the minor's victim's interactions with Epstein included interactions where the minor victim was undressed or that involved sex acts with Epstein and helped put the victims at ease because an adult woman was present. She was literally watching this dude rape children. Probably flick the bean to it. Opening arguments are scheduled for November 29th. She has denied all charges. I love how there's like, yeah, she was in the courtroom. She was looking elegant. She was wearing like a Versace black turtleneck. She was drinking fancy bottles of water. Her lawyers were stroking her cheek and brushing her hair behind her ear. I pat her on the shoulder. She was charming. She was sweet. She was also in the room while her ex-boyfriend fucked an underage woman. And then comforted her after after her after she was raped by Epstein because her presence calmed them. What the fuck? Like I read that, right? And when I was reading that, I had to keep keep it in mind like, like what I'm doing, right? I'm like, I can't freak out. Yeah, I gotta get through this part. And then I'll go be like, bitch, what? Look at how charming she is. And yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna put money down that she is blowing her attorneys. She has a special tongue trick she does. It's called the Epstein flick. Anyway. That, well, what, what, what she does is she wraps her tongue around... Like, you know, so you have a dick, right? You have that little lip around the tip. She wraps her tongue around that and squeezes. It's called the Epstein. Just under under the head of the head of the dick. <laughs> Just squeezes it really tightly with her tongue. It's called the Epstein. But if you're gay, it's called the Smollett. Given the horrific nature of the allegations, it's not surprising that on Monday, unlike 10 years ago, when she was hosting dinners at her New York townhouse, polarizing about her efforts to preserve the oceans through her philanthropy. I didn't see a single friend of hers in court. The only supporter I saw in attendance was her sister, Isabel. Isabel. Oh, wait, Ghislaine Maxwell and Jezebel Maxwell? Mm. I knew Maxwell slightly because I am part of the expat British community in New York, so I ran into her from time to time over the years, and I know her from a good number of her friends. Or former friends, I should say. So, what are they saying amongst each other as she heads to trial? In the past year, I noticed something as I was reporting Chasing Ghislaine as an ID special, which premieres November 2nd on Discovery+. Plus. Eh, I respect the plug. And an audible podcast of the same name. Hardly of any of the people who went to drink at her house for or to her dinners 
or for Prince Andrew. Many of them members of the British upper class or American plutocracy. Plutocracy. Mm. Wanted to talk about Maxwell on the record. Many of them professed that they were horrified and disgusted at allegations that she is charged with. Yeah, uh, again, I'm, I'm still really disturbed by Trump saying when he was confronted about Jillian Maxwell being arrested for her connections to Epstein and all that shit. He was like, I wish her well. Sad, sad. I really wish her well. He said, he's like, I don't know anything about, I don't know much about the case, but I wish her well. Dude, don't wish a pedophile well, ever. Uh, that's something that bothers me still to this day. I know he said, like, I don't know. He's like, I don't, I don't know much about the case, but he's sad. Sad, I wish you well. Ew. Never wish a pedophile well. Wish him a, a, short, a short drop and a sudden stop. One person who went to dinners that included Maxwell, Epstein, and Prince Andrew told me, quote, I can't remember the last time I heard anybody say, poor Galene. She should be allowed to say her story. Uh-oh. Hold on. Okay. Poor Ghislaine. She should be allowed to say her story. I think everybody's absolutely horrified. Everybody's embarrassed that somebody in our broader circle of us could be behaving in such a terrible way. End quote. But as I reached out again in the past week to former friends... There were those, probably more than you think, who still wonder if she really is the monster she's been pictured as in the media. Some wonder if she may yet prevail before a jury. Reading this, you may be shocked. I know I was. But as I dug further, I began to see the complexity at play. There is questioning voiced privacy among a few people who used to have dinner with her, whether the government can prove its case. Particularly, that's because the allegations are from so long ago, nearly the ni- in the early 1990s to the mid-2000s, but it's also because these people still cannot see the hide in Jacqueline Hyde, that Maxwell allegedly is or was Jackal. It turned out was very dazzling. People who heard rumors back in the early 1990s about Maxwell finding girls for Epstein say that they just do not believe that Maxwell, that the Maxwell they knew, who liked designer clothes and expensive restaurants, would have been skulking around school gates, as has been described in the civil litigations. They just can't imagine the visual that charge is not actually in the government indictment but one image but one imagined it could be wait hold on so the whole waiting to pick up kids by the gate that it should hold on would be skulking around school gates as has been described in the civil litigation, they just can't imagine the visual. And then he says right here in brackets, that charge is not actually in the government indictment, but one imagines imagines it could come up in court. Quote, what a stupid fucking... Why have it? Why have the two things? Just remove the one and have the other. Whatever. Quote, I don't believe 
and nobody that ever met her believes that she sat in a car recruiting school-age girls. No, nobody believes that, one person said to me. Quote, The idea that Glane was the sort of person who'd be bothered to visit working-class areas to pick up vulnerable girls doesn't gel with the person I knew and worked for, says a person who worked in Epstein's Palm Beach home. Quote, Glane had far too high regard for herself. She have had time for shopping on Worth Avenue, yes, not wandering around West Palm where many of Epstein's Florida victims lived. That would have been beneath her. A question that always comes up in speculations about the trial is, who will she name? And also, being involved, more than one person has asked, quote, who should be afraid? The answer to that largely depends on whether Maxine Maxwell decides to take the stand in her own defense. Ordinarily, a tactic of last resort, but possibly in this case, according to a couple legal experts, the answer is that if she takes a stand, she can say anything and name anyone as long as the judge Allison Nathan deems it relevant to her defense. There's more to this article, but we have to move on. This article is from Vicki Ward from the Rolling Stones, and it will be in the description of this podcast. Now, that last bit we read about the judge, let's find out a little bit more about the judge, shall we? From lawandcrime.com, a Dan Abrams production. Dan Abrams being a... Eh, you can feel how you want about him, but he is a very notable attorney. Judge rules some of Jolene Maxwell's details are too sensational and impure to be revealed to the public. By Jerry Lambray. That's right, folks. A federal judge in Manhattan on Tuesday ruled on a series of redactions proposed by Jolene Maxwell and prosecutors regarding a complication of transcripts submitted under seal by the government last month. After reviewing the arguments from both sides, U.S. District Judge Allison J. Nathan allowed most of the government's redactions to remain in place over Maxwell's objections while also adding several additional redactions to her request. This judge has redacted more information herself. Maxwell's legal team in January filed 12 motions requesting that the court, among other things, dismiss all the charges relating to her alleged role as a recruiter of young girls for infamous, for infamous and since-deceased sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. The government responded in February with an, quote, ambiguous memorandum of law. Hmm. An omnibus memorandum of law. My apologies. Opposing Maxwell's motions, all which were filed under seal pending ruling on redactions. The government argued that its restrictions were required in order to, quote, protect the integrity of its ongoing criminal investigation to Maxwell and to protect the privacy interests of third parties. End quote. Judge Nathan granted most of the government's requests reasoning that the redactions were based on legitimate interests to overcome the presumption of public access to judicial documents. 
Quote, Exhibit 1 contains a single redaction that names the name of a third party. And the court concludes that the individual's personally personal privacy interests outweigh the presumption of access that exists to the limit to the limited uh, portion of the exhibit. Judge Nathan wrote, quote, "The proposed redactions to Exhibit Seven are similar, and that they seek to protect the protect from the public access only the names and contact information of third parties." Here, too, the interest is protecting the safety and privacy of those individuals outweighs the presumption of access attached to those documents. Nathan rejected Maxwell's objection to redactions containing information that, quote, that has been made public by other means, end quote where such information still relates to the privacy interests of third parties. Quote, At least some of the redactions to which defendants object relate to privacy, family affairs of third party, a factor that weighs more heavily against access than conduct affecting substantial portions of the public. Nathan wrote, citing the controlling president from the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, Quote, And though the defendant contends that some of the information contained in the redaction is public. She furnishes no evidence to that effect. As a result, the court concludes that this that the significant privacy interests at stake justify the limit the limited and narrowly uh, tailored redactions that contain in Exhibit Five. Judge Nathan citing privacy interests did side with Maxwell on several additional redactions proposed to transcripts submitted submitted as part of the government's filing finding to make those details public would only tend to cater to an appetite for the quote sensational and impure quote those portions of the transcript were redacted in the civil matter concerning privacy interest and their disclosure would merely serve to cater to cravings for that which are sensational and impure, she wrote. The court thus concluded that such redactions are justified. So, long story short, I'm redacting the things that are going to confirm the bias of people who think this woman is an impure, evil bitch. So we're going to redact those for for her sake, is what the judge just said. Those portions of the transcript which are redacted in the civil matter concern privacy interest and their disclosure would merely serve, would merely serve, meaning they would only confirm to a craving for that which is sensational and impure. The court concludes that such redactions are justified. Disgusting. And like that, I have no faith in this judge. Honestly, I think most of this trial is going to be an open and shut scam. I have very little no hope for a fair, actual, deep investigation into this. Because another person on the flight log is the president and his son on Epstein's plane to Epstein's pedophile island. This is a deep, systemic 
panic or it's a uniform song and dance where they're going to keep everything hush hush and just throw out a verdict that lets her walk the fact that she's lived this long makes me very skeptical on what she has to say in the courtroom it's unclear what judge Nathan has redacted but judge Loretta uh, Preska the federal judge in the civil case ruled on January 19th that details Maxwell provided about her consensual sexual relationships with adults would remain redacted in publicly released versions of the deposition transcripts. See Miami Herald quote article, Judge, judge orders release of more of Galene Maxwell records minus scandalous details. I believe we read that on the show last year. Quote, although the pruent interest of some may be left unsatisfied as a result, Miss Maxwell's interest in keeping private the details of her sexual relationships with consenting adults warrants the sealing of those portions of her testimony, said Preska, emphasizing privacy interests. Several other redactions proposed by the government were rejected at Maxwell's request after Judge Nathan found the prosecutors failed to provide reasonable <clears throat> reasonable basis. Quote, As to why its investigation at this stage of, a ma- of the matter would be imperiled by this disclosure, disclosure of the information regarding how it obtained the information in question and the requested redactions are far from narrowly tailored. As a result, the court denies the government's redactions request in pages 1 through 128 and denies its request to file exhibits 8 and 9 under seal, since those documents relate to this very issue and the same reasoning applies to them. Nathan Roche. And, yeah. The court will allow the government to seek more tailored redactions before the redactions are removed on the public docket. This article has all those dockets here, pages one through five. I will leave a link in the description so you guys can read all of these yourself. I know very little legal jargon that would help in this kind of situation. So we'll get through this article. Well, there's one a little bit more. Note the story was updated to include additional context about Judge Preska's handling of the civil case. This article will be linked in the description of this podcast. Again, this article is by Jerry Lembe. Judge rules some of Jolene Maxwell's details are too sensational and impure to be revealed to the public. Article by Law and Crime. Now that last bit we read about the judge, let's find out a little bit more about the judge, shall we? From LawAndCrime.com, a Dan Abrams production. Dan Abrams being a, eh, you can feel how you want about him, but he is a very notable attorney. Judge rules some of Jalene Maxwell's details are too sensational and impure to be revealed to the public by Jerry Lambre. 
That's right, folks. A federal judge in Manhattan on Tuesday ruled on a series of redactions proposed by Delene Maxwell and prosecutors regarding a complication of transcripts submitted under seal by the government last month. After reviewing the arguments from both sides, U.S. District Judge Allison J. Nathan allowed most of the government's redactions to remain in place over Maxwell's objections while also adding several additional redactions to her request. This judge has redacted more information herself. Maxwell's legal team in January filed 12 motions requesting that the court, among other things, dismiss all the charges relating to her alleged role as a recruiter of young girls for for infamous and since-deceased sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. The government responded in February with an, quote, ambiguous memorandum of law. Hmm. An omnibus memorandum of law. My apologies. Opposing Maxwell's motions, all which were filed under seal pending ruling on redactions. The government argued that its restrictions were required in order to, quote, protect the integrity of its ongoing criminal investigation to Maxwell and to protect the privacy interests of third parties. End quote. Judge Nathan granted most of the government's requests, reasoning that the redactions were based on legitimate interests of, to overcome the presumption of public access to judicial documents. Quote, Exhibit 1 contains a single redaction that named the name of a third party. And the court concludes that the individual's personally personal privacy interests outweigh the presumption of access that exists to the limit to the limited uh, portion of the exhibit. Judge Nathan wrote, quote, "The proposed redactions to Exhibit Seven are similar, and that they seek to protect the protect from the public access only the names and contact information of third parties." Here, too, the interest is protecting the safety and privacy of those individuals outweighs the presumption of access attached to those documents. Nathan rejected Maxwell's objection to redactions containing information that, quote, that has been made public by other means, end quote where such information still relates to the privacy interests of third parties. Quote, At least some of the redactions to which defendants object relate to privacy, family affairs of third party, a factor that weighs more heavily against access than conduct affecting substantial portions of the public. Nathan wrote, citing the controlling president from the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. Quote, And though the defendant contends that some of the information contained in the redaction is public. She furnishes no evidence to that effect. As a result, the court concludes that that the significant privacy interests at stake justify the the limited and narrowly uh, tailored redactions that contain in Exhibit 5. Judge Nathan, citing privacy interests, did side with Maxwell on several additional redactions proposed to transcripts submitted submitted as part of the government's filing finding to make those details public would only tend to cater to an appetite for the quote sensational and impure 
Quote, Those portions of the transcript were redacted in the civil matter concerning privacy interests and their disclosure would merely serve to cater to cravings for that which are sensational and impure, she wrote. The court thus concluded that such redactions are justified. So, long story short, I'm redacting the things that are going to confirm the bias of people who think this woman is an impure, evil bitch. So we're going to redact those for for her sake, is what the judge just said. Those portions of the transcript which are redacted in the civil matter concern privacy interests and their disclosure would merely serve, would merely serve, meaning they would only confirm to a craving for that which is sensational and impure. The court concludes that such redactions are justified. Disgusting. And like that, I have no faith in this judge. Honestly, I think most of this trial is going to be an open and shut scam. I have very little no hope for a fair, actual, deep investigation into this. Because another person on the flight log is the president and his son on Epstein's plane to Epstein's pedophile island. This is a deep, systemic panic. Or it's a uniform song and dance. Where they're going to keep everything hush-hush and just throw out a verdict that lets her walk. The fact that she's lived this long makes me very skeptical on what she has to say in the courtroom. It's unclear what Judge Nathan has redacted. But Judge Loretta uh, Preska, the federal judge in the civil case, ruled on January 19th that details Maxwell provided about her consensual sexual relationships with adults would remain redacted in publicly released versions of the deposition transcripts. <laughs> See Miami Herald quote article, Judge, judge orders release of more Glean Maxwell records minus scandalous details. I believe we read that on the show last year. Quote, although the pruent interest of some may be left unsatisfied as a result, Miss Maxwell's interest in keeping private the details of her sexual relationships with consenting adults warrants the sealing of those portions of her testimony, said Preska, emphasizing privacy interests. Several other redactions proposed by the government were rejected at Maxwell's request after Judge Nathan found the prosecutors failed to provide reasonable, <clears throat> reasonable basis. Quote, As to why its investigation at this stage of, a ma- of the matter would be imperiled by this disclosure, disclosure of the information regarding how it obtained the information in question and the requested redactions are far from narrowly tailored. As a result, the court denies the government's redactions request in pages 1 through 128 and denies its request to file exhibits 8 and 9 under seal, since those documents relate to this very issue and the same reasoning applies to them, Nathan wrote. And yeah, 
The court will allow the government to seek more tailored redactions before the redactions are removed on the public docket. This article has all those dockets here, pages one through five. I will leave a link in the description so you guys can read all of these yourself. I know very little legal jargon that would help in this kind of situation. So we'll get through this article. Well, there's a little bit more. Note the story was updated to include additional context about Judge Preska's handling of the civil case. This article will be linked in the description of this podcast. Again, this article is by Jerry Lembe. Judge rules some of Jolene Maxwell's details are too sensational and impure to be revealed to the public. Article by Law and Crime. And we now move on, and again, sticking to the theme of of being being in, in 2020 still. I'm just laying down the context for the people who haven't been following the story as closely as some others have. Because this is a story everybody knows about Epstein. A lot of people have heard the name Jolene Maxwell, but they don't really, really know anything about her. And they probably haven't thought about her in nearly a year. So, I wanted to make sure I give people... I, I told you about where the case currently is. Some of the rules set on it. And now, this article and the last article are giving you just context to what the story is. And then the next article will be giving you a little bit of background into Comey specifically. And then we'll be right back into uh, where this, we're back into the, the modern day where the case sits. So we're, we're Quentin Tarantino in it. Alright, folks. So we go to the Hollywood Reporter. Video footage in apparent Jeffrey Epstein suicide attempt is lost, says federal prosecutor. This is an article, we're not going to read the whole thing, we're just going to read part of it. A slightly different perspective on the article we just read, but on the same topic. Video footage, and this article again is by the Associated Press, published through the Hollywood Reporter, so the AP wrote this. Video footage in apparent Jeffrey Epstein suicide attempt is lost as federal prosecutors. Video footage of the area around Jeffrey Epstein's jail cell on the on the day he survived an apparent suicide attempt no longer exists, federal prosecutors told the judge Thursday. And this article is from January 9, 2020, so a day before the last article we just read. Video footage of the area around Jeffrey Epstein's jail cell on a day he survived an apparent suicide attempt no longer exists. Federal prosecutor told a judge on Thursday, officials at the, at the Metropolitan Correctional uh, Center in New York believe they had preserved footage of guards finding Epstein after he appeared to have attempted suicide, but actually saved the video from a different part of the jail, prosecutors said. The FBI also has determined that the footage does not exist on the jail's backup video system as a result of technical errors. Assistant U.S. Attorneys Maureen Comey and Jason Schwartzgard wrote in a court filing. The revelation came despite assurances prosecutors made that the jail officials were preserving the footage at the request of defense attorney for Nicholas Tartagonoli, a former police officer who shared a cell with Epstein in July. 
when the wealthy financier was discovered with bruises on his neck and then placed on suicide watch. Epstein later later hanged himself in jail on August 10th while awaiting trial for sex trafficking charges, officials said. Defense attorney Bruce Bucket told Associated Press he intends to task U.S. District Judge Kenneth Carsis to hold a hearing, quote, live, with live testimony to determine what happened to the missing video. The various inconsistent accounts of what happened to that video are deeply troubling, Basket said in an email. Uh, Targone is charged in what prosecutors have described as, quote, gangland-style killings of four men who disappeared during a cocaine-related dispute. I don't care what the the former cop who who shared us who uh, shared a cell with Epstein once did. A spokesperson for the Bureau of Prisons declined to comment, citing Brackett said the jailhouse video would have supported his position that Tuglone acted appropriately the day in question, allotting to questions about whether Epstein had been attacked. The spokesperson for Bureau of Prisons declined to comment, citing an ongoing investigation. One of Epstein's attorneys, Mark Furnich, said the missing video, quote, only adds to unanswered questions and deepens the air of mystery surrounding Epstein's death, feeding the perception that the public will never really know what happened and that the powers that be aren't really interested in finding out. Nothing about Jeffrey Epstein's prosecution and death in federal custody surprises or could surprise me at this point, Finnich added. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan said in Thursday's court filing that the jailhouse officials had preserved video for the correct date and time, but captured the wrong part of the jail, and said the jail's computer system listed different incorrect cells. So they filmed the cop who once shared a cell with Epstein instead of Epstein. Quote, the government further understands from the Bureau of Investigation that it has reviewed that backup system as part of an unrelated investigation and determined unrelated investigation and determined that the requested video no longer exists on the backup system and has not since at least August of 2019 as a result of technical errors, the prosecutor wrote. And that brings us to the end of this article. Well, this article goes on for a little bit, for a couple more paragraphs, but we really have to hurry up and get to these next few articles. And remember, that's, that's, that's Maureen Comey, who was the prosecutor for the state in, in this case. Now we move on to the next article. And we now move on. And again, sticking to the theme of of being being in, in, in 2020 still. I'm just laying down the context for the people who haven't been following the story as closely as some others have. Because this is a story... Everybody knows about Epstein... A lot of people have heard the name Jolene Maxwell, but they don't really, really know anything about her. And they probably haven't thought about her in nearly a year. So I wanted to make sure I give people... I I told you about where the case currently is. Some of the rules set on it. And now this article and the last article are giving you just context to what the story is. 
And then the next article will be giving you a little bit of background into Comey specifically. And then we'll be right back into uh, where this we're back into the the modern day where the case sits. So we're, we're Quentin Tarantino in it. All right, folks. So we go to the Hollywood Reporter. Video footage in apparent Jeffrey Epstein suicide attempt is lost, says federal prosecutor. This is an article. We're not going to read the whole thing. We're just going to read part of it. A slightly different perspective on the article we just read, but on the same topic. Video footage, and this article, again, is by the Associated Press, published through the Hollywood Reporter. So the AP wrote this. Video footage in apparent Jeffrey Epstein suicide attempt is lost as federal prosecutors. Video footage of the area around Jeffrey Epstein's jail cell on the, on the day he survived an apparent suicide attempt no longer exists, federal prosecutors told the judge Thursday. And this article is from January 9th, 2020, so a day before the last article we just read. Video footage of the area around Jeffrey Epstein's jail cell on a day he survived an apparent suicide attempt no longer exists. Federal prosecutor told a judge on Thursday, officials at the, at the Metropolitan Correctional uh, Center in New York believe they had preserved footage of guards finding Epstein after he appeared to have attempted suicide, but actually saved the video from a different part of the jail prosecutors said the FBI also has determined that the footage does not exist on the jail's backup video system as a result of technical errors assistant US attorneys Maureen Comey and Jason Schwartzgard wrote in a court filing the revelation came despite assurances prosecutors made that the jail officials were preserving the footage at the request of defense attorney for Nicholas Tardigonoli a former police officer who shared a cell with Epstein in July when the wealthy financier was discovered with bruises on his neck and then placed on suicide watch. Epstein later hang- later hanged himself in jail on August 10th while awaiting trial for sex trafficking charges, officials said. Defense attorney Bruce Bucket told Associated Press he intends to task U.S. District Judge Kenneth Carsis to hold a hearing, quote, live with live testimony to determine what happened to the missing video the various inconsistent accounts of what happened to that video are deeply troubling basket said in an email uh targone is charged in what prosecutors have described as quote gangland style killings of four men who disappeared during a cocaine related dispute I don't care what the the former cop who who sure is, who uh, shared a cell with Epstein once did. A spokesperson for the Bureau of Prisons declined to comment, citing Brackett said the jailhouse video would have supported his position that Tuggle acted appropriately the day in question, allotting to questions about whether Epstein had been attacked. The spokesperson for Bureau of Prisons declined to comment, citing an ongoing investigation. One of Epstein's attorneys, Mark Furnich, said the missing video, quote, only adds to unanswered questions and deepens the air of mystery surrounding Epstein's death, feeding the perception that the public will never really know what happened and that the powers that be aren't really interested in finding out. 
nothing about Jeffrey Epstein's prosecution and death in federal custody surprises or could surprise me at this point, Finch added. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan said in Thursday's court filing that the jailhouse officials had preserved video for the correct date and time, but captured the wrong part of the jail, and said the jail's computer system listed different incorrect cells. So they filmed the cop who once shared a cell with Epstein instead of Epstein. Quote, the government further understands from the Bureau of Investigation that it has reviewed that backup system as part of an unrelated investigation and determined unrelated investigation and determined that the requested video no longer exists on the backup system and has not since at least August of 2019 as a result of technical errors, the prosecutor wrote. And that brings us to the end of this article. Well, this article goes on for a little bit, for a couple more paragraphs, but we really have to hurry up and get to these next few articles. And remember, that's 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 Marine Comey who was the prosecutor for the state in in this case. And now we move on to the next article. And let's see. Let's look at Marine Comey's dad, FBI Director James Comey, well, former FBI James Comey. Surely he's an upstanding man. Ex-FBI Director Comey violated DOJ policies in handling Trump memos, Inspector General says. And this is from CNBC. That's as blue dog anti-Trump news network as you can fucking get. And this was published August 29th of 2019, by the way. And this is Kevin Brewinger and Dan McGann, who wrote this article. Former FBI Director James Comey violated Justice Department and FBI policies in his handling of memos documenting conversation with President Trump, the DOJ's Office Inspector General says. Comey, who was fired by Trump in May 2017, is not being prosecuted for alleged violations detailing the scathing report. Quote, Comey set a dangerous example for over 35,000 current FBI employees and many thousands more former FBI employees who similarly have access to or knowledge of non-public information, the report says. Former FBI Director James Comey violated Department of Justice and the FBI's policies as well as his employment agreement in his handling of memos documenting the conversations with President Donald Trump and the DOJ's Inspector General. But Comey, who Trump fired in May 2017 after allegedly pursuing the FBI chief to drop an an investigation into Trump's former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Yeah, uh, Michael Flynn went to prison for like two years. And a reevaluation of the case found him innocent, and he was released, and everyone got fucking mad. Uh, I gotta find it. I have a card. I helped with a, I have a sticker somewhere. There was a group that flew F- uh, Flynn, uh, Michael Flynn out to D.C. to do multiple speeches, and I got to meet and interview and volunteer a little bit with the group that did that. I got, I got to figure out where their sticker went. I, I have some stickers in the event. Michael Flynn is not being prosecuted for the alleged violations detailed in the scathing report by the Inspector General's office. The report focused on Comey's disclosure of sensitive investigation and information and handling of certain memoranda. 
which included how he created, stored, and handled seven memos detailing one-to-one interactions with Trump between January and April 2017. Quote, By not safeguarding the sensitive information obtained during the course of his FBI employment, and by using it to create public pressure for official action, Comey set a dangerous example for over 35,000 current employees and the many thousands more former FBI employees, who similarly have access to or knowledge of non-public information, the report said. In one of the memos, Comey claimed that Trump asked him to shut down an investigation into Flynn. Quote, I hope you can see your way clear to letting this go and letting Flynn go. He is a good guy. I hope you can let this go. Trump said according to Comey's memos. Comey, after being fired, asked his friend Daniel Rickman, a Columbia University law professor, to share the contents of the memo with the New York Times, which published an article entitled, quote, Comey memo says Trump asked him to end Flynn investigation. Comey told the IG's office that his goals of having Rickman leak the memo contents was to spur the appointment of the special counsel to investigate Trump's actions. F- Ex-FBI uh, director Robert Mueller the Mueller probe, which all turned out to be bullshit. You know that whole Russia hoax thing that got ended up with like four of Hillary Clinton's staffers all in prison, two of Hillary Clinton's lawyers in prison, and that guy that the fucking whole operation Robert Mueller is named after getting fired from the FBI for falsifying documents in that case. Yeah, that Mueller. In, in canoodles with James Comey. The same guy who later on got fired and falsified all sorts of bullshit on Trump after he got fired because he was angry he got fired. Ah, was in fact appointed by special counsel not long after Comey's firing. Flynn later pled guilty to lying to the FBI about his conversation with with Russia's ambassador to the United States shortly before Trump's inauguration. The case against Flynn was was lodged by Mueller's office. The IG's report faulted Comey for passing information on to Rickman as well as for mishandling other memos. Comey and Rickman were interviewed by the IG's office as part of the investigation along with 15 other people. The Watchdog office noted that it had, quote, previously faulted Comey for acting unilaterally and inconsistent with department policies. Referring to Comey's press conference several months before the 2016 election in which he slammed President nominee Hillary Clinton for her handling of the government emails while asserting that she should not be prosecuted for her conduct. Quote, Comey's unauthorized disclosure of sensitive law enforcement information about Flynn's investigation merits similar criticism the report said quote we concluded that Cuomo's retention handling and uh, discrimination of certain memos violates the department's FBI and FBI policies and his FBI employment agreement the report said quote upon completing its investigation the OIG provided its factual findings to the Justice Department for the prosecution, prosecutorial details regarding Comey's conduct as required by the Inspector General Act, the report said after 
Quote, after reviewing the matter, the DOJ declined prosecution. Comey immediately responded on Twitter to the report. And there's, of course, more to this article, but we must move on to the next article if we're going to get through this art, get through this podcast in a fairly reasonable time. Because there's a lot of information to unpack, and this article kind of just goes into he said, she said, and the only context to which this article is important is for you to know who James Comey is. Why is it important that you know who James Comey is? Because he's the man who raised Maureen Comey, who is the lead prosecutor in Glean Maxwell's trial, and the lady who lost the Epstein suicide footage. So with that, we now move in back to present day with the Jolene Maxwell trial. And let's find out who this Maureen Comey is. We now head over to Newsweek. Who is Maureen Comey? James Comey's daughter is the lead prosecutor in the Jolene Maxwell trial. By Isabel Van Bergen. We have a video here. Let's see what this is about. Today we announced charges against Ghislaine Maxwell for helping Jeffrey Epstein sexually exploit and abuse multiple minor girls from the period of 1994 through 1997. Maxwell has been taken into custody early this morning in New Hampshire and will be presented this afternoon before a magistrate judge in the District of New Hampshire. Okay. Neat. A federal prosecutor working on the case of Jolene Maxwell, which is set to go to trial on Monday, is the daughter of former FBI Director James Comey. Maureen Comey, an assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, SDNY, abbreviated, is one of the lead prosecutors in the criminal case against Jolene Maxwell and had been picked to hold a similar role in the case of the late convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein prior to his death in August 2019. As the child sex trafficking trial of Epstein associate Maxwell is scheduled to begin on November 29th, attention now turns to the prosecutors in the case, which includes Comey and Assistant U.S. Attorney Alexander Rossmiller and Allison Gainfort Moe. Maxwell is charged with six sex trafficking charges. She has pled not guilty in the case and, if convicted on all charges, faces a prison sentence of up to 50 years. 50 years, small price to pay for raping and being part of child molestation. Assistant U.S. Attorney Comey heads the SDNY's Violent and Organized Crime Unit and has been with the office since 2015, according to her LinkedIn profile. The 32-year-old Harvard Law graduate has been involved in a number of high-profile cases, including against former gynecologist Robert Hayden, who is accused of sexually assaulting as many as 70 women during medical appointments. She has also worked on cases involving embezzlement, obstruction of justice, and drugs and weapon crimes, according to Law and Crime which is the news site we just spread from. Daughter of former FBI director James Comey. 
we just learned about is a corrupt uh, corrupt opportunist monster who will manipulate things to get his outcome and uh, you know the guy who raised this lady who is writing the Jeline Maxwell case and lost the Epstein footage Fruit of, the, fruit of the rotten tree, anybody? Daughter of former FBI director James Comey and Patrice Failer. She is one of six children and is married to Lucas Eisenhoff, a Harvard Law School graduate and U.S. Assistant Attorney for the SDNY Civil Division since September 2019. James Comey was famously fired by former President Donald Trump in 2017. Before joining the SDNY office, Comey spent a year as a legal clerk for Loretta uh, Preska. Another name to take note of. We've, we've talked about it before, but keep note of that name too. Loretta Preska, who at the time was the chief judge in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York. She graduated from Harvard Law School with a decorate in, tw- with a decorate in 2019 and prior to that gained a bachelor's degree in history and music from the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia in 2010. Maxwell's trial was originally set for July, but was pushed back until November 29th. Jury selection for the case began on November uh, November 16th, 2021, and is down to 12 members and six alternates. The trial expected to run for six weeks. Maxwell has been detained in a Brooklyn jail since she was arrested by the FBI agents at her New Hampshire estate in early July early July 2nd, 2020. And that is the end of this article. And again, this article will be in the description of this podcast by Isabel Van Buren of Newsweek who is Maureen Coney, James Comey's daughter, is lead prosecutor in Jeline Maxwell trial. And now, we have to just move on to the next article from Daily Mail, where things get more suspicious. We now go to an older publication, The Daily News from New York. As Ghislaine Maxwell's sex trafficking trial begins in New York City, one of Jeffrey Epstein's accusers is filled with dread. Article by Molly Crane Newman. And my throat's actually starting to hurt a little bit, so I'm going to pass the mic on to uh, a a news-reading bot they they have on here. Because I'm lazy and I outsource my work to robots. As Ghislaine Maxwell's sex trafficking trial begins in NYC, one Jeffrey Epstein accuser is filled with dread. The first woman to say she was assaulted by Jeffrey Epstein is bracing for a moment she's long dreaded. The trial of Ghislaine Maxwell. Opening arguments begin Monday in the closely watched trial of Maxwell, the Oxford-educated British socialite accused of serving as Epstein's chief recruiter. But Maria Farmer, who in 1996 became the first woman to contact law enforcement about Epstein's sex abuse, said she feels no relief as Maxwell faces justice. 
Instead, Farmer worries what will happen to her sister, Annie Farmer, who is expected to be a crucial witness for the government. I have dreaded this, Maria Farmer, 52, told the Daily News. I wish they would just lock Maxwell up so my sister wouldn't have to be there in danger. While Maria is not expected to testify, her alleged experience with Maxwell and Epstein mirrors those of the victims at the center of the trial in Manhattan Federal Court. Maria said she met Maxwell, 59, and Epstein after graduating from the New York Academy of Art. The pair allegedly offered her a job, pledging to support her artistic career. The couple then violently sexually assaulted Maria at the Ohio estate of Victoria's Secret founder Les Wexner in 1996, according to a lawsuit Maria filed last year. Mar Let me just jump in here. Let's add that to the list of people. The guy who owns Victoria's Secret, at least according to these documents, and if I can find them, I'm going to link a PDF to the full Epstein flight log list. Uh, friend of Epstein's and child fucker. Victoria's Secret. Founder. Maria fled. Maxwell warned her not to speak out. We're going to burn all your art. And I just want you to know that anything you ever make will be burned. Your career is burned, Maxwell said, according to the suit. Meanwhile, Epstein and Maxwell had lured Annie into their orbit by offering to help get her into a prestigious college, the suit states. Annie Farmer is expected to testify that Maxwell started grooming her for illegal sex with Epstein when she was a teenager. Maxwell and Epstein sexually assaulted Annie at the age of 16 at his New Mexico ranch, according to separate lawsuits filed by the sisters. Both Farmer sisters accepted payouts from an out-of-court compensation program for Epstein victims and withdrew their civil lawsuits. Maxwell has denied wrongdoing. Drawing on my personal experience with Maxwell and what I have learned of how she has lived since that time, I believe that she is a psychopath," Annie Farmer wrote in a December 2020 letter to the judge overseeing Maxwell's criminal case. The trial will likely provide the most detailed account yet of Maxwell's alleged role delivering Epstein sex assault victims through an elaborate pyramid trafficking scheme. Victims were incentivized to bring in additional victims, prosecutors say. Testimony could be explosive. Maxwell and Epstein once counted Prince Andrew and former presidents Bill Clinton and Donald Trump among their friends. Annie and three other alleged victims are expected to testify that Maxwell groomed them for Epstein's depraved lifestyle through shopping trips and movie outings, befriending the girls on a deep level. Federal prosecutors say Maxwell manipulated the girls to believe that Epstein's routines of abuse, which usually began as massages, were normal. Maxwell allegedly participated in some of the abuse and directed girls to perform sex acts on Epstein. Maxwell is also accused of lying under oath. The accusers will face withering scrutiny from Maxwell's defense team. Maxwell has denied all charges and maintains her accusers came to Epstein's properties and had sex of their own free will. Her lawyers have argued that the accusers were not legally minors in all of the cities where the sex occurred. Maria Farmer told the news she feared 
they weren't all legally minors. You know, this, the, the, the Colombian Cosa that my, my mansion that I fuck kids in is, uh, the, the age of consent. There's 14. Really? Yeah. ...that Maxwell could use her wealth and connections to harm Annie, even though the socialite is behind bars at Brooklyn's Metropolitan Detention Center. Law enforcement's failure for decades to stop Epstein destroyed Maria's faith in the government. She says the financier made it clear he had powerful friends protecting him. You have to understand that I have no faith in the justice system after 26 years. There's no reason I should have faith, I would have to be an idiot to believe in it, she said. But I have an incredible amount of faith in these girls, and I know they're telling the truth. Maxwell enticed minor girls, got them to trust her, and then delivered them into the trap that she and Jeffrey Epstein had set. She pretended to be a woman they could trust. All the while, she was setting them up to be abused sexually by Epstein and, in some cases, Maxwell herself, former Manhattan U.S. attorney Audrey Strauss said when announcing the charges in July 2020. A one-time fixture in London and New York social scenes, Maxwell is believed to have started dating Epstein in the early 1990s. She's testified that she began working for Epstein in 1992 as a property manager of sorts, hiring architects, decorators, pool attendants, workout instructors, gardeners, cooks, chefs and cleaning staff for the multimillionaire's many homes. She remained close to Epstein, even after he pleaded guilty to state prostitution charges in 2008, because he'd been kind after the death of her father, Maxwell said. She stopped working for Epstein in 2009, but they remained in touch as allegations mounted about Maxwell's role facilitating his lifestyle. You have done nothing wrong and I would urge you to start acting like it, Epstein wrote Maxwell in January 2015, as allegations about Epstein mounted. Go outside, head high, not as an escaping convict. Go to parties, deal with it. The pair came from opposite backgrounds. Epstein had a working-class upbringing in Coney Island and did not finish school. Multiple aspects of his path to managing money for some of the wealthiest people in America are unknown. Maxwell is the daughter of the disgraced publishing tycoon Robert Maxwell, who owned the Daily News when he died in 1991. She was born in France and grew up in a 51-room mansion outside of London and attended Oxford University, where she would become friends with Prince Andrew, the Duke of York. One of Epstein's most prominent accusers, Virginia Jufri, says Maxwell and Epstein loaned her to Prince Andrew for sex while she was a minor in the early 2000s. He has denied the allegations. Since her July 2020 arrest at a $1 million opulent timber mansion in New Hampshire, Maxwell repeatedly tried and failed to put up more than $20 million to secure bail. She's argued that prosecutors, embarrassed by Epstein's suicide in August 2019 while awaiting trial for underage sex trafficking, have unfairly substituted her for the notorious sex offender. Sometimes the simplest point is the most critical one. Ghislaine Maxwell is not Jeffrey Epstein, her attorney Mark Cohen wrote. Scores of women have accused Epstein of sexually abusing them in the years since the Miami Herald first published allegations detailing his perverted life of crime in November 2018. That expose cited at least 80 accusers. If convicted on all six counts, Maxwell is likely to spend the rest of her life in federal prison. Her lawyers did not respond to a request for comment. That is the end of that article by Molly Crane Newman of the Daily News.
And we now move on to our next article from Newsweek. From Newsweek, Jalene Maxwell's brother defends Prince Andrew, says FBI ignored accusers' evidence. Because what's fucking new? Right, you have the... Oh, his name escapes me right now. But you had the... You had the Olympic doctor who molested multiple women and the FBI knew like months and years in advance and just sat on the information and didn't do anything about it. And we only found out about it recently. That was during this 2016 Olympics is when this doctor was doing all this grotesque shit. And we found out that the FBI had drone footage of the Kenosha riots and they did nothing to stop it or step in until the trial when it came to condemning Kyle Rittenhouse. And then they stepped forward with this footage that they claimed con- would condemn Kyle. And it was so shitty. And they're like, oh, well, we don't have a high-quality version of this footage. And then Kyle Rittenhouse's defense came up. was like, actually, we have that exact footage in 4K suddenly. What a weird turn of events. But <clears throat> let's move on. Article by Jack Royston. Jalene Maxwell's brother defends Prince Andrew from Jeffrey Epstein's sex abuse allegations and took a swipe at the royal's accusers. Ian Maxwell spoke on BBC Radio 4 to defend his sister as her trial on sex trafficking charges at the end of the month approaches. This article is published 11-22-2021. So, the 22nd of this month. She's Epstein's former lover and accused of grooming underage girls for New York financier to abuse uh, between 1994 and 2004, which she denies. The one downside about... uh, So I have to, like, zoom in on the articles, even while I'm wearing my glasses to read them properly. And the pop-up ads take up, like, half of the screen sometimes, and that's... that's, uh, It's always a pain in the ass. Ian Maxwell was asked whether the motive behind the prosecution prosecuting his sister was her link to Prince Andrew. He said, quote, clearly she was. She is a good friend of Prince Andrew. I don't know when the last when the last saw uh, this isn't me screwing up. It, it says, I don't know when the last saw time they saw each other. I don't know the last saw, the last time they saw each other. This this is the Newsweek article. It will be linked in the description. Again, these typos are just in these official like NewsGuard trusted sources. CNN, Newsweek, NewsGuard, all these guys. New York Times, Rolling Stones. There's just typos littered throughout the fucking article. It's not me. Clearly, quote, clearly she was, she is a good friend of Prince Andrew. I don't know when the last time they saw each other was. I I just corrected that, like we just established. The actual quote is a grammatical Princess Diana car accident. Quote, I, but I don't think the U.S. authorities have decided to pursue Ghislaine Maxwell because of Prince Andrew. Quote, you have a situation where one of the most vocarious accusers... A lady called Virginia Goffrey 
has de has decided to pursue Andrew in spades. Quote, but what's interesting about that particular accuser, who is, I think I said is perhaps the best known and most vocervious, vocervious, I'm leaving a link to this article in the description. Call me out, please. Is that she is not one of the accusers at my sister's trial. Quote, and I think that it's very that it's very significant because she has evidence that the US authorities believe she could be stood up at the trial, then surely they would have used that evidence. She could be stood up at trial, then surely they could use that evidence. Equally, the Metropolitan Police quite recently turned down for the fourth time in this country a decision to pursue or go into further detail of alleged meeting between Andrew and Jolene back in 2001, so I think that speaks for itself. What are some of these quotes from this guy? Uh... This is why I, I've made a habit of just leaving the articles in the description. Jeline Maxwell and Prince Andrew were friends for decades, and the royals say she was one of the she was the one who introduced him to Epstein, though she gave a different account of the past deposition. Oh, in a past de de deposition. Goffrey accused Andrew of rape and intentionally inflicting emotional distress in a civil lawsuit filed in New York. She says she was forced to have sex with him by Maxwell and Epstein in London, New York, and the U.S. Virginia Islands, or the U.S. Virgin Islands, my apologies, in the early 2000s, and feared for her life if she refused. Queen Elizabeth II's son denies the allegations and launched an assault on her credibility in his formal response to the case. The Prince lawyer wrote in a court filing, quote, For over a decade, Goffrey has profited from her allegations against Epstein and others by selling stories and photographs to the press and entering into secret agreements to resolve her claims against her alleged accusers, or alleged abusers including Epstein and his ex-girlfriend, Yolene Maxwell. Most people could only dream of obtaining the sums of money that Goffrey has secured for herself over the years. However, Goffrey's attorney, or, uh, end quote, by the way. However, Goffrey's attorney, uh, Sigrid McCrawley, McCrawley, that's a, that's kind of a dope name, said in a statement released to Newsweek, quote, if Virginia Goffrey had stood silent in the face of outrageous uh, statements like these Prince Andrew routinely churns out, his motions to dismiss the litigation being non-exemption. The decades-long sex trafficking ring his friend Jeffrey Epstein operated and he participated in would have never been exposed. We are humbled by Virginia's bravery. On the subject of the money, let's be clear that the only part to this litigation using money to his benefit is Prince Andrew. In the BBC interview, Ian Maxwell 
said the sister was being pursued by prosecutors because Jeffrey Epstein's death robbed them the chance to secure a meaningful conviction against the financier himself. He said, quote, I think there's a very strong likelihood that she would not be in the position that she finds herself in had he lived. He added, quote, I'm not here to go against the accusers or talk about innocence or guilt. The reason I think this is a difficult process is because of the way in which the authorities have chosen to proceed against my sister and to look and to lock her up in isolation is wrong. It is an abuse of her human rights and an abuse of due process that has taken place. It's not a question of the allegations being serious or being very serious. Of course they're serious, but there has to be an equality of arms in a situation where Galeen is effectively on trial for her life because we're looking at a very, very long sentence should she be found guilty. Because she may be found guilty, we should not treat her like a criminal because she should at least enjoy her fucking pre-trial lockup days before she goes to a cold prison cell the rest of her life. Dude, what is your logic here? And therefore, her right to defend herself against these allegations, I think, has been severely impeded. And that is the end of the Newsweek article by... By Jack Royston. And now we go on to the last article from today's upload. Which isn't even really an article. It is the Internet Archive. The full text of the Epstein Flight Logs and Lolita Express. This, as well as every article I've read in today's 5 o'clock upload, can be found in the description of this podcast. I have to get my bandages changed and head to work. I wish you guys the best. Have a great evening.